0: all right we are live with episode three so matt how is your week going
1: going good i gotta tell you I'm, I'm back in boston i went away for a couple of days it's good to, good to finally be home i'm in quarantine so there's not really that much to do i can like go for walks outside and that's about the most exciting thing i can do all day what about yourself what are you up to Nice. Yeah, you
0: know, quarantining in D.C., you know, it's been a good week. Last week, we did not record the podcast because you were traveling, Matt. So Mm -hmm. this is the first week that we are doing it remotely over Zoom. Previously, we were recording in the same room. So we'll see. We'll see if the chemistry lacks this week.
1: And actually, I got to tell you, I have a theory that it's going to be better. I I, I think that because I'm just looking at you and I'm not thinking about the fact that there's a recorder on, on the left or right of us. Actually, like, I think this will be more of a natural conversation, or at least I hope so. This is more of like just a Zoom call that we're
0: having, whereas before we were sitting across from each other at the table with like my laptop like recording us, and then I had my phone as the backup recording us, and yeah. now,
1: now we're just in a Zoom call. This is just two bros taking a Tuesday night, talking about bootstrapping.
0: <laughs> so this episode, we're going to talk about bootstrapping. Before we do, I had one follow-up business idea from the, on me. from the last podcast, which we did on online education. And I just had this idea and I wrote it down in my notes and wanted to, to bring it up in this episode first. So the idea was thinking about what is it that TikTok is doing a really good job with education on? And I imagine that one category is cooking videos right like Hmm. how do you take cooking videos and make it the shortest possible like it's like a, a 30 second video right of teaching you how to cook something and I feel like that's a very addictive type of video to watch especially for people that like to learn how to cook and like to like even if you don't I'm sure a lot of people just like like watching those cooking videos so my thought is like that is probably a big enough niche that you could unbundle that entire uh category from tiktok and just create this app which is like really short form like 30 to 60 second limit cooking videos and make it so you can just scroll through discover like 100 different recipes in an hour favorite different chefs like then that could but it could also be like specifically built for cooking where like then you could also get the recipe you could like maybe have a community of other people who've made that recipe and like all sorts of things that you could build on top of it. But I think that TikTok style lends itself really well to cooking.
1: I like it. I I also like how we're eventually getting to a point where it's like, what if we verticalize different niches of TikTok, put them on their own channels? So you have like cooking and then you have sports and then you have... and then
0: it's already getting unbundled it's very, very- <laughs> all,
1: all roads lead back to just like creating a tv guide but <laughs> no i like it have you have you seen any cooking videos on tiktok or do you have any favorites i don't really use tiktok so oh, okay so no. let me tell you there's yeah. a guy did we talk about this guy last week nick to no i don't maybe i'm not sure Uh, but he he's one who i think does a particularly good job like act, he's also pretty interesting he's going to harvard business school in a couple of years. Oh, I think you mentioned him, but it might've,
0: yeah, you you mentioned him to me at some point. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, but he's very smart about the way that he cooks and like loops his videos. He does a very good job with it. The other one that I've, I've noticed that is really good and I think would fit your, like you could unbundle it. And I think there are a lot of people who'd be interested in this is I've seen a lot of personal finance videos, actually. Mostly being like, mm. if you were to have $100 and you just invest it, Then compounding interest, bam! You're going to be a millionaire in 48 years. Yeah, and and, uh, they've done, but like actually doing a good job with it. So I think you could verticalize some of (laughs) that—an entire app of just people (laughs) telling you that compounding interest is important.
0: Yeah, no, I I I agree with that. I think that's actually really interesting, uh, especially like if it's done well with good information. It would make personal finance actually interesting to to listen i'm sure that's what's happening on tiktok already but i think that's interesting and also like yeah i wonder how like where that's gonna go because i know even our friend miles wanted to at some point at one point create like a, a sequel tiktok and like teach sequel yeah well i should have done it he'd be he had like a million followers at this point if he did it <laughs>
1: <a month> ago <laughs> you with those people telling you that if you have like hundred dollars today that in 2100 you'll be a billionaire um that's what it would have turned into <laughs> yeah but the other thing that, that it made me think of is house of highlights you know the instagram account house of highlights oh no uh, oh dude you got to follow house of highlights what are you I doing don't really use instagram that much oh my god what is wrong with you okay so house of highlights is effectively an instagram channel that's exactly what you're describing but only for sports highlights mm. and So they'll have, like, the top sports highlights every day. It'll all be in your feed, and it's just on Instagram, and it's right there. So it's not totally verticalized, kind of like you're saying, where it's just one channel, and that's all you get. Yeah. Um, But you could go to their page, and you can get all that information, and it's, like, effectively 10 to Mm -hmm. 60-second videos. And they make it very engaging.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I just really like the cooking idea because it's almost like a next-generation cooking app, right? Like, Mm -hmm. next-generation recipe app, like, the old the old recipe apps were boring you just scroll through pictures and click on the picture and see the recipe the new recipe app is watching like essentially tiktoks of people making food and like it's all video based instead of text instead of image based you know
1: okay i don't want any slander for going to a recipe website and reading 14 paragraphs about this person's life story before you actually get to a recipe about like spaghetti and and tomato sauce i okay, mean do you read the stories no i've never once read the story <laughs> so, i said i'm just being... that for, for seo or do they just do it because they I know maybe they think it's engaging i have
0: no idea i'm will ask. always was curious like maybe they they must do it for
1: seo because why else why would they right it's a lot of work we'll have to reach out to someone like smitten kitchen or somebody and see why they actually do this i'm, I'm very curious i think that it's mostly like I don't know. I, th- I think they probably think that it's engaging, okay. I guess. but I agree with you. I think that very short form videos. And then if you really wanted to, you could even like click in and, and go get the recipe. But if you could just very visually see it, be like, all right, I'm going to scroll through in seven minutes. You'll see like, I don't know, you can scroll through and see like 10 to 15 different recipes and be like, Oh, I want to make that.
0: Yeah. And and- there
1: could be an easy way to save it. If you want to save that to actually make yeah, you could probably even filter the videos and then just show a feed of like uh, one pot, 30 minute or less Italian dinners and it'll pop out like 12 videos and then you can just go see those.
0: Right. And it'd be all community based. So yeah, yeah and it's generated by, by people. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I like that. There's something there.
0: Yeah. Cool. Anyway, so that was my idea. But in this episode, we're going to talk about bootstrapping. So bootstrapping, like building a business without raising venture capital, it could involve raising some amount of money. But I think the general idea, and let me know, Matt, if you agree with me, is that you're not not going for like billion dollar exit or nothing, right? So that's the idea with venture capitalists, because the way that they've constructed their portfolios, the way they invest their money is they need to get the outliers who are going to have an exit for a billion plus dollars in order to return their funds. So they, the way they do it is they know that 90% are going to just go to zero, uh, and then 10% are hopefully going to become billion dollar companies. Whereas I think the idea of bootstrapping is that you can have a very successful company, whether it's 100% owned by you or or with a high percentage owned by the, the owners, but not success isn't determined by being like a billion-dollar company.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, we're definitely on the same page there. And, and for more context, the two of us have, we've been roommates eight of the past 10 years. So we've talked a lot about this stuff and we have, have very similar overlapping views on this in particular, especially because we've spent the past few years each running our own bootstrapped, bootstrapped businesses. So maybe a little biased in that we've specifically chosen this for ourselves. You've run a number of different companies and are continuing to do so. I had built a company over the past few years and and we both just did it solely on our own, slightly different paths, like yours more of a no code path and mine teaching myself to code, but either way I'm trying to retain all the control for ourselves and being in control of our own destiny uh, not having to report to investors, not really having anyone to, to deal with, just being able to run it on our own. So very appealing. Yeah, definitely.
0: Cool. So, so yeah, so we're going to talk about different cool things that are happening in bootstrapping. We're going to talk about, trends that are happening, whether it's like the way people are raising money for it or how people are investing in bootstrapping companies, a successful bootstrapping company. So just different ideas all related to it and, you know, some business ideas as well. So I think the first thing, Matt, we both did some research into like the different forms of capital for bootstrappers. So I'd be curious what you came up with there and then I can add on anything that that I found that was different.
1: Yeah. And and you basically hinted at this, like the way that the current venture model works or really just generally how companies can raise money is if you're a startup and you want to raise venture capital funding, there's no, nothing in between like starting a $0 business that like totally flaps or starting a billion dollar unicorn business. That's all venture capitalists care about. And currently there aren't that many forms of, of funding that startup founders can take to grow, let's say like a $50 million business or $100 million business. You can find an angel who's aligned with your goals, sure. But uh, there are companies that are now existing like Earnest Capital, Tiny Capital that are now starting up that are starting to invest in founders that don't necessarily have aspirations to start a billion dollar venture scale business. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that it's interesting, especially to me because we can cut the pause. But yeah, I think that just reflecting on like our personal paths and why we've chosen to start businesses the way we have one it's just like I found that it's easier to get off the ground now on your own than it was at any point in history it's like 20 years ago if you wanted to go and start a business you had to go have a server farm and pay for engineers now you can do almost anything you want just from no-code tools that and that are all like pretty cheap or free at the very beginning so it's just not even as necessary to, to raise money, but for businesses that do, there are some some businesses like Tiny and Earnest that are popping up. But yeah, what are what are your thoughts there?
0: Yeah. So before we get into yeah, some of like those those funds, I, I think it's interesting what you said about like how no code and, and things like that are making it cheaper to start businesses. And I think that to me is is really the breakthrough, is that before in the past like you had to raise money if you wanted to start a company like it just wasn't possible on, in most all cases to to build your product and get it off the ground whereas now you can use all this infrastructure that has been built and and do it in kind of the same way like if you like i know jeff bezos said the only reason he was able to start amazon is because you know like like fedex existed right and he could deliver packages. Like that was the infrastructure Mm -hmm. that allowed him to do that. And I think now there's so much infrastructure, whether it is no-code tools or, you know, thinking about like everything that you can do on demand using infrastructure. So if you want to print t-shirts, you can print those on demand when customers purchase them. You don't have to go out and spend $20,000 on a first run of t-shirts or a lot, any type of apparel that you're, that you're testing out. Right. I think that that is a trend that's going to keep expanding. So that's going to start applying everywhere right like let's say you want to make a a protein bar right like there's probably going to be a way maybe there already is a way that you can just create a recipe and pay a few hundred dollars and have your first be able have people like be able to start purchasing it and actually getting it right and i think that's going to apply to to just about everything and i think that's also a really interesting opportunity for like entrepreneurs who want to help build that infrastructure, like the more you can do to to like help commoditize those things and help entrepreneurs do those things. I think that's a really, it's a hard business, but a really good opportunity, but also as entrepreneurs, all these things that are, the infrastructure is going to keep getting better and better and better. And that applies to no code as well. Like what you can do now with no code or like building a web app, like, I'm in five years or 10 years, you're going to be able to build probably, I would imagine you probably will be able to build something like on parity with TikTok currently. And you won't need a developer. There'll just be a platform that you can do that and push it to the app store. And there still is a gap now and maybe there still will be a gap, but it's just going to keep getting smaller and smaller. So those are some thoughts there.
1: Yeah. So there are two jumping off points for me that I think are interesting. One is, this future of work and what companies in the future will look like. I so I totally agree with you. I think companies in the future, there will be many more small companies that exist uh-huh. that are able to exist because they can outsource a lot of their a lot of their roles to no code or some other businesses that are building out what they need to do. Uh-huh. Um, so today we see that with like website development. You you don't need to actually have developers dedicated to that. You can just build a site on Webflow uh-huh. or Squarespace or whatever. The other thing, oh my God, I'm so spacey tonight. I'm gonna cut this. It's easy to cut it. Uh, What else was I gonna say? There was one other thing. Oh, okay. This is what the other thing I was gonna say. Okay, so the other thing that I think is interesting is similarly to how website development or engineering or marketing, those are hard skills that you can apply and you can get a role in. No code is kind of a skill in itself, especially mm-hmm. for someone like you, and you can speak to this better than anybody because you are the no code guy, but being able to connect all these different services together, sure, like you can use Zapier and that's one way that you can go about it, but having knowledge of what is even possible with the tools that are out there today mm-hmm. and sticking them together is a skill set in itself. Yeah. And that's, that's something that alone can help get rid of headcount, make it easier for you to scale something by your, on your own and and you can speak to that better than anybody.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think knowing what's out there and what's possible is definitely where there's a lack of education now. I'm, tr- I'm working on that with No Code MBA. But yeah, that's, I definitely agree with that. Yeah.
1: So, okay. So I want to throw a prediction out at you if, you if you're game. I think that Zapier is going to be a $100 billion company.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I would, I, $100 billion? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, I, so I, I would. I, I wish I could invest in it, honestly. Like if it was a public company, I would totally invest in it. Yeah.
1: I would totally invest.
0: Yeah. Webflow just raised at a $2 billion valuation very recent, like just this last week. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, okay. So not only that, but I took some notes on how Zapier could actually get to that valuation.
0: Yeah. But yeah. Okay. I'd love to hear Okay.
1: So first of all, the thesis, which we've already talked about is I really do believe that in the future a lot, there will be a lot more smaller companies just because it'll be easier to accommodate more roles with fewer headcount, yeah. fewer people. And Zapier is the glue that connects all these different companies together. So with more and more small companies existing, Zapier is probably going to be the company responsible for making sure that like no code product XYZ connects to this this other one that exists in the future. Yeah. Um, and I think that more companies will have open APIs that Zapier can connect to. Mm-hmm. And there might even be some infrastructure where like Zapier will help companies develop this API so they can better understand how they all stitch together. That's like a whole separate thread, but okay. So, so here's how I think that Zapier can get to that valuation. Yeah. So let's say that that's a 10 X multiple on revenue. So hundred billion, that's $10 billion in annual revenue. It's like $833 million in monthly revenue and Imagine that they get like, they shift to a point where it's a hundred dollars in average revenue per user, Yeah, which currently it's like $50 for individual professionals and 300 to 600 for teams. So in this that's hypothetical right. world where there are more teams that exist, I don't think that a hundred dollars per, per paid user uh, is unreasonable. Yeah. That they have 8.3 million paid users. You say currently they do, or that's what it would take? That's what take. it would take to get to that run rate. Yeah. Uh, which I think is totally reasonable. That is not that much. No, it's not. And and I know in 2018,
0: by end of 2018, they were doing 50 million in, in annual recurring revenue. I don't think they've released numbers since then. But mm-hmm. if they were doing 50 million in 18 months ago or 20 or two years ago, they probably are doing. They could be doing three to th- three to five x that now, right? So they might already be. You know, like two hundred million in ARR. Yeah, I mean, I I totally buy it. Yeah.
1: And I'll throw one more thing at you. I want you to guess how much money Zapier's raised.
0: Yeah, so that's it. Ties in perfectly. Like, very very little, right? Almost nothing.
1: So okay, so they they literally last week raised from Sequoia. Yeah. At like a it was a four billion dollar valuation, I think.
0: Right, yeah. Come on,
1: this goes amount, but before that, they raised 1.4 million. I think all of that was from Y Combinator.
0: Yeah, 1.4 million before that. That was it. Yeah, that's amazing. And they're like the cool thing about them is they're like one of the first fully remote teams, and we're doing distributed teams, distributed working like years before COVID. Really interesting. Yeah, I also think I heard that this Sequoia round was mostly like secondary so it's just taking money off the table i think like they don't need the money i think it was mostly just to pay out employees yeah yeah
1: interesting now for a company like zapier i think they're at a very extreme end of the spectrum where they've been able to effectively bootstrap to this unicorn status like that's that's not typical for a bootstrap business and right Talk talked a little bit about indie hacking which like in my mind, is even a more extreme version of bootstrapping, where you're, I imagine like one person on their own starting a business. Uh, yeah. and you may have a different definition of that, but do you think that companies like Zapier are going to become less rare because there are going to be more companies that are bootstrapping that are going to start and become very successful, or do you think that more companies are just going to be smaller? And- yeah, I mean, I think so, and I think like bootstrapping does not prevent you from being
0: a $1 billion company or 4 billion or a hundred billion. I think that it, especially like, I'm sure there's the, like the, with Zapier even like, I'm sure there's infrastructure that they use to help them get to where they are. That may have not been possible. Well, of course, even just like before AWS, they would have had to buy servers and stuff. Right. So even just that is making it possible for companies like Zapier to do that. And then companies like Zapier, It's actually really interesting. And then Zapier is now going to make it possible for other bootstrap companies to get way further than they would have been able to without raising money. But I think that it's more so it gives you the optionality where you don't have to become that big if you don't want to. Right. But yeah, I think there will be more. I I would I I think there will be more because there's just going to be more people starting companies. And the more people starting companies, some of those are going to break out and be able to raise money later on if they decide to. Right. Or if grow faster if they decide to
1: yeah And we're kind of taking for granted that venture capitalists really only care about companies becoming mega 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 successful do you think yeah. that's going to change in the future and venture capitalists will say like you know instead of taking 10 percent of companies i hit home run we'll take 40 percent of companies hitting a single and a double yeah so
0: so i don't know i, I don't know if i'm not knowledgeable enough to know if like VCs would or have the ability or think that makes sense to change their portfolio construction. But I think this is a good, I can quickly touch on a few of these, the details of some of the bootstrapping funds or the funds that are, that are, have this different strategy. And I think it's really interesting what they're doing and they're pioneering this. So if they have a lot of success, then I think that there will be a lot more that follow, right? They're just the first ones and we won't know how their funds do until right? Like it takes five to 10 years, right? To really know how a fund does with startups. So a few of them, and I like did some research on what their specific terms were for their deals and and how they make that work. So it's pretty interesting. So we can start with tiny seed. So tiny seed is, they call themselves a year long remote accelerator designed for early stage SaaS founders. So I think they are specifically like Set want SaaS founders who are like building in a niche. I think that's kind of a common thread for a lot of these is they want companies that are building in a niche, like that aren't necessarily going to be huge, huge companies, but they they are going to be stable and continue growing and 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 are just have, have like this audience, right? That are going to keep purchasing from them. But the way that TinyC works is 120K for one founder plus 60K for additional founders. And then their standard terms are 10 to 12% equity. But the way that they do it is they cap the founder salaries at 250K a year. And then once, if a founder is paying themselves more than 250K a year, additional funds are considered dividends. So I guess tiny seed will start making money back if the company is doing so well that the founders are paying themselves more than that. So that's one way they start making their money back. And then- that's also like if the company is insanely profitable, like the founders never have to sell; they can just pay dividends to Tiny Seed. But if they ever do sell, or they like raise future investment, then t- if they sell Tiny Seed, like gets they have their equity, right? So then they get their equity portion of the sale. That's how I understand Tiny Seed. Indie VC is another one, and they they do it in a similar way. I don't need to get into the details really. Earnest Capital. They're all they're all kind of similar in the in this idea that like if the company is doing really well, then they do pay back in like some sort of dividends to the investor. But then if they get sold or there's an acquisition, then there still is upside, basically. So that's kind of how they're setting it up, which is different from typical VCs who only get paid out when there's an acquisition.
1: Yeah, that seems to make a lot of sense to me in terms of aligning incentives with founders and tiny. Do you know how it works if let's say they get an investment from Tiny, but then another venture capitalist comes in and says, Hey, we're gonna give you like two million dollars at a $10 million valuation. So we're gonna take 20% of your company. Or or do they sign on for the terms that Tiny already had, which is that they'll get a dividend and there's oh, like-
0: I think that if that happens, then it turns into a normal VC round and then Tiny just gets their
1: portion of it, I think. Gotcha. I don't don't
0: know. Maybe there's ways for other investors to come on on the same terms. I'm not sure.
1: Yeah. Hmm. It's pretty cool.
0: The other thing that a lot of these, that all of these funds are doing, which is interesting. And and I have some thoughts on it is that they all have an aspect of community in it. and, And a lot of it is like helping these founders, like have this community with the other bootstrap founders, like helping them, like, on business issues and like add, I guess, like trying to value add investors in that sense. And I think that's interesting for a couple of reasons. One, I'm not sure that these terms make the most sense for the company in, in some ways, like these companies are are generally profitable companies that that are like, don't necessarily need money, right? And if they did need money, they're a profitable company that probably could get a loan or probably get money in ways that are maybe financially better for them. So to me, that's interesting that I think it is very helpful for these funds to like be adding more, more value. And, and I don't know if that's a hundred percent sure, like it's true. And I'm sure there are advantages to taking the money in this way, but it's just interesting. Like these companies, the way that these funds I'm seeing are doing it is is specifically, like, they're looking for companies that are already profitable and already doing very well. So that's something that is interesting. There's, yeah, there are other, like, there's one that I want to talk about in a minute called Pod Fund, which seems to be more so, like, funding people to start podcasts, but... Yeah, something about it. Yeah, that one seems really cool. It is kind of like the idea that we had in the other episode of funding people to start online courses. But what they're doing is, yeah, funding people to essentially build their own podcast from what I can understand yeah but I yeah they pod Pod fund typically provides funding between 25 and 150k to podcast studios and high potential creators based on stage track record evidence of traction revenue and intended use of funds so it is interesting even in this sense it seems like they are still looking for people with a ton of maybe a big audience already or are already kind of successful so it's interesting in these in all of these like they're de-risking themselves by getting people who are already de-risked in a way. Yeah.
1: Do you think they provide any value on top of just providing cash then? Like if these companies are already doing well, then what? Like if- I think
0: they're, that's what they are providing. They're providing like the expertise and the, ed, ed, like the advice and the community. That's what it seems like a lot of them are adding on top of it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that makes sense to me. That seems like a good product. And we're back. So, Matt, uh, you had a co-
0: what do you got? <laughs> Matt, what do you got for me?
1: <laughs> Matt, what? So, let's, let's, let's a off. lot of editing. <laughs> so we are, we're both working on businesses right now that we have bootstrapped, but live in our results. We're, we're going to throw out a few more ideas that we just came up with today uh, that we think are interesting and that you could definitely start on your own if you wanted to and could just bootstrap immediately. Yeah. All uh, right. All right. You want me to start? Yeah. What do you got? Okay. So the first one I'll throw at you is hobbies for adults. So this is actually something that we've talked about before when we were shooting the shit in the apartment. But there is a lot. One, I think the world will trend toward more work life balance. I think people will be spending less time at work. But I think adults will be looking for additional ways to be fulfilled outside of work and look for ways to spend their time outside of it. Yeah. Uh, And so for me personally, like I've thought about taking singing lessons, honestly. But I could see a lot of people wanting to do different hobbies, whether it's like, you know, adults don't really play sports anymore. Maybe there's like a sports league or you go to basketball practice for adults and there's just a gym that you could rent out, get a coach and get people to do layup lines and scrimmage against each other. Uh, and I think that'd be super fun and super fulfilling for a lot of people. Do you think people would use this or no? Can you explain how it would work again? Okay, sure. So let me, here's how I'd start it. Let's say we, we start with sports practices. So I'd pick a sport. We'll just, we'll start with basketball. I'd find a gym. I'd sign up some athletes. I'd find a coach, schedule weekly practices. And, and from there, I just like keep setting up more and more practices. So if additional people wanted to sign up, they could, you could sign up to be part of a team. So you can play with the same people. It's almost like, I mean, people sign up for these kickball leagues in DC all the time, but instead of it just being an intramural sport where you go and drink afterward, it would be like an actual competitive sport that adults can play. So, so like like a basketball rec league kind of, or or are they? Yeah, I I you could do it as a rec league. I'm thinking more that you would just set up the marketplace so that if for this specific example, if you like wanted to, then you could just set up the you could like have gym time and you could book it and you could allow athletes to go in and and sign up for it, or and you could have coaches sign on. So you could be the person who's actually creating the the marketplace for it. You seem less excited about this idea well, than I think. Well, did. I think one thing that's
0: cool on that,
1: I, I might not be completely understanding
0: it, but one one thing off of that that, that I think could be cool, and I, I like where you're going on like being able to easily play these sports in a competitive way. One thought that I've had in the past is there should be a like a gym class, like instead of like going to Soul Cycle. I should be able to sign up for a basketball practice with a coach. That's just going to like run drills, you know, just like run, like do, do all these like basketball drills and it's going to be a really good workout. And then also by the end, I'm going to like get better at basketball essentially, you know what I mean? Like essentially like be a, get like a high school basketball coach to come and just like run these out of shape, like, like people through a, really tough basketball practice once a week or twice or whatever. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Okay. So that's interesting. You bring up that angle because I was initially envisioning this as um, going for an actual practice, but you're to get better at the sport, you're pitching it more as a workout class.
0: So that that's my pitch is doing it as a workout class. Like you used to play basketball, you used to play soccer or whatever. Like you like to play these sports. You're probably like out of practice. I'm going to come in and be a coach and like, just like it's gonna be, it's gonna be a hard workout. Yeah.
1: Interesting. Yeah, because I was, yeah. <laughs> At least for me, like I used to play basketball,
0: and I think it'd be, I, I think it would be fun to have a coach like, do, doing all these drills. Yeah, and and I, I don't know, like, yeah.
1: You know, what would be funny if you could pull this off. There are basketball coaches that get fired every year from the NBA. <laughs> I wonder if you could get them to teach. This. <laughs> You're like yeah, hey, I know I know this is a, a little bit of a step down from the NBA, but these like these short Jewish guys want to play basketball on Tuesdays. <laughs> Throw up some threes.
0: I mean, maybe you could get like some college basketball coaches. to stick <laughs> is that they're gonna be like, like really intense. You know, like they are they're gonna be as intense as if you're practicing for the NBA finals. Like that's, oh, yeah, I mean that's if you do I math, see. you're
1: doing you're doing sprints.
0: Right. Yeah. Like if, 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 right, if you miss a basket, you the whole team is doing sprints. And if anyone's late, if anyone's late to practice,
1: you're all doing sprints. <laughs> that person, this will be like that. Do you have to do this in practice where if someone was late, then they had to stand still and everyone else had to run sprints? That would be another way to do it. All these things. Like, I think this, would, like, here, okay, here's the question is would people actually pay for
0: this? And would they put themselves through this? I, what do you think?
1: I think that people pay for way, less fun forms of torture to their bodies
0: <laughs> it's just a form of, of a workout basically yeah
1: no it is but I mean, people do like people do the toughest workouts I can imagine And there's a place in New York called Tone House and I, I like literally was about to puke after doing this class
0: yeah and I just imagine that like it it's a double bonus not only are you getting in good shape you're also like getting better at a sport that you still enjoy
1: playing yeah it, it's maybe, funny
0: yeah or maybe you still play like it's just getting it's just like also make getting you better at the sport
1: I like I, I like that a lot. I initially I imagined it as less intense because I was pitching it as hobbies for adults. So the other things I wrote <laughs> down aside from sports practices were singing, cooking, pottery, dancing, piano. Okay. So if it was, let's say it's, it
0: was singing, how would that how would that look?
1: What are you thinking? Yeah, so I, I think my job in this would be to build the marketplace, to build a website, which I could do pretty easily through no code tools. Yeah, uh, right. i allow highly qualified and vetted instructors to go on there and list their services so they could put a calendar on there. You could book time with them. They could have a rate. You could take a cut of it. And then you can have individual people go up to sign to book time with that instructor.
0: Like coaching kind of like yeah.
1: place to book times with four coaches for,
0: but doing it for more hobby hobbies, basically like, like how can I easily book? I mean, okay. So, so I think I'm understanding better what, what, your ideas now and I, I do like it. So basically let me know if this is what you're thinking. So you have this platform. Let's say I wanna like just go to easily go sign up for a pottery class or I easily wanna go sign up for a singing class or I easily wanna go sign up for what, what, something like that. I could go on the platform and browse things in my city and, and do it essentially. And then yep. maybe you could even do it with a group of people, yeah. Yeah, exactly. See that I really like and I think that's interesting because it is interesting like let's say I wanted to even do pottery like I guess I would have to like search for pottery studios and then like call them up or f- send them an email or figure out how I even do it and there's probably not an easy way to drop in or something that's made for people to do that so yeah what if there was almost like classpass for that kind of stuff too could maybe work I don't know maybe it's two different of activities but yeah, I kind of that, like where you're going.
1: Yeah, I think the the hypothesis for a class pass model would be people want a diversity of different classes that they could take.
0: Yeah. I was,
1: it At least personally, I think there are very few select things that I personally want to do, and I have a good idea of what they yeah, are. I, think so I don't necessarily right. care about the variety. I think that's but, right. But I, I think it's interesting that like if you ask a lot of adults what they do for fun, or if they have any hobbies, a lot probably don't. They'll like, read, and maybe they... I don't know, maybe they do like some woodworking. So the, pitch, but...
0: <laughs> so the pitch is like, hey, you should go on this platform, find some hobbies and and it's all going to be like things that you can do outside of work that are going to be fun, essentially, yeah. you can learn how to do. Yeah,
1: exactly. I, I'm like very much reacting to the fact that I don't want to be in a, a boring adult and would love to have some hobbies. <laughs> I'm
0: going to join an intense basketball practice and you'll yeah, <laughs> be crocheting and I'm going
1: to be... No, all right, I like it. Okay, that's my first one. You hit me with one. Cool. All
0: right. Well, let's see what I hit here. So here's here's my idea, which I think I think is pretty cool. There's this company I, I've I saw doing and what they do is gift boxes like for employees is, is the idea. Like, it's like corporate gifting for a specific city. But what they do is they are working with all local businesses, like, you know, shop in DC, or I think it's made in DC or whatever that's called. All those types of businesses, like, locally made stuff that they put in this box. And then like a business in DC can send their employees in DC, get like, like corporate gift boxes from like stuff made in DC. So it's all supporting like, the, the city. And I feel like it makes sense on so many levels. Like, it's just this idea of, you're helping out your city, especially now more than ever, I think businesses want to help out their lo- their local economy. And then people who live in their city also want to help out the local economy. So to me, it's just a win for everyone. And they're not in that many cities right now, like they're only in like six cities. And I think there's something like this could work in like 100 cities, right? Like it could scale really, really big. So that's my, and like, it probably doesn't even have to only be for corporate gifting. Like it probably could be for just people giving gifts to each other. But I think this idea of how can people in a specific city support their local businesses and bringing in the corporate aspect of it, I think makes a lot of sense. But yeah, I think this is an idea that someone could take and scale it to a hundred cities and it could be a massive company.
1: Yeah. So that's the part you could bootstrap it. I think. Yeah. I think you could definitely bootstrap it. The part I'm curious about is if you think that Corporate or individual is a better way to go because I could see people just saying, like, fuck the corporate part of it. I want to support the place in my city. If every month you sent me a box and, like, one month it had a succulent from a flower shop on 14th Street, yeah, and a tin of coffee from Compass Coffee, and then the next month it had a cupcake from Baked and Wired, like that. I, I could would see people sign really I would up for that now just because I would be
0: awesome to support those businesses on autopilot and get all these this cool stuff. So I think that, that it could be both. Right. I actually think that's a really good consumer consumer portion of it is, is a subscription box. I think that makes a lot of sense for consumers. And then I think, I mean, I wouldn't ignore corporate cause that's where you can go to like a law firm. Right. And then they're going to buy 500 boxes at once. So, so I think that I think the corporate would, would, would even be like a good way to bootstrap it. Right. Like you get a couple of those, yeah all of a sudden you have $10,000 that you've made that you can put back into the business. So I think that, I think both would work, but I really like the subscription box aspect of it, yeah.
1: Yeah, I like that a lot. And and I think there are ways you could upsell it too, but especially on the corporate part, like we've talked about this a lot, but a couple of years ago when I was making coffee at WeWork, maybe WeWork's an extreme example and we've heard about all the issues with them, but these companies have money they're willing to throw at, just making their customers and tenants happy. Oh yeah. And I think, especially if you went to we or if you went to bigger companies, we're making pour overs for
0: for WeWork tenants at the peak of WeWork spending their money.
1: <laughs> we should have known that was a bubble. <laughs> I know I should have known that was a bubble. People think for a barista to come in. That was like a, great, cool really, it's
0: a really great perk, though.
1: Yeah, I think so too. But I think there are ways you could upsell. Like you could do instead of just limiting it to like twenty-five or fifty dollars a month boxes. If it were individuals, I'm trying to think of what like a a two hundred fifty dollars box would be if a company were like sending offers to someone i wanted to really impress them
0: right yeah yeah they could send a, a dc box or uh an atlanta box or a boston box yeah. like it just works for every city and i think it works for smaller cities even better in some ways probably people who live in maybe smaller cities or even want to support their local city even more right like i think it could work in so many cities
1: do you think it would work too? If uh, I'm in Boston now, do you think that people like me would buy a DC box? And could I get that shipped to me?
0: Yeah, I think definitely. And I and I know there's a really big business. I think it's a really big business, and they ship candles that they have a, a state. Oh, is this like, homesick? I think that's what it's called, and it's like I think it's a massive business, and they like it's kind of tapping into that. I know there's other like I've seen other like subscription boxes, and this might exist in in some in some form in some cities already i know i've seen like i've seen a subscription box that like gets you like a box of stuff from like japan or gets you a box of stuff from from like another country i've seen that before i think those are successful but yeah i think the city i haven't seen that yeah
1: yeah i like this a lot i I actually think that homesick as a candle business makes like i have no idea how that's successful except for the fact that people (laughs) love candles. but i I would love that if someone could like figure out how to send me like a home kit from Bontai where I could make a meal and a cupcake from Baking and Wired and a cold brew from Compass Coffee. That might be yeah. But like, yeah, like all these favorite things that I'm missing because I can't have them every day because they're too local. Yeah. I would, love that. I would absolutely pay for that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So there you go. That's That's my idea.
1: There's something there. I like that one.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I think someone could make that a big business.
1: I also love that your pitch you came in with was there's some company that's doing it for six cities, but we're gonna completely demolish them. We're gonna take over their six cities and then ninety four more. Boom, we're in hundred cities, and that company is dead. I don't want to demolish though. I I want them to keep doing their thing in their cities. Yeah, just <laughs> <laughs> get to all the other cities faster. I also bet you could do it for college towns. Like, there's probably a lot that you could you can make happen. Oh yeah, definitely. Imagine getting photos sent to you from Charlottesville.
0: Yeah, I think that could be that could be very interesting. Yeah. 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 It'd be interesting to see like how big the town needs to be to support it. I do think that the bigger business is on the corporate side, honestly, or the easier business. Yeah, it
1: is. It's always on the corporate side.
0: <laughs>
1: so yeah. imagine how many fresh zens Miles would get sent to Miami.
0: <laughs> well, there's this other company. I mean, some of the stuff you're talking about is is perishable stuff that makes it more difficult. But there's this company called Goldbelly. Have you heard of them?
1: Yeah, Goldbelly is really interesting yeah where
0: they yeah it's very very cool where they yeah they they like ship like pizza from like famous pizza places in New York anywhere in the country and all sorts of like perishable food like that I guess they just freeze it yeah
1: yeah and I see it because David Chang I think his Momofuku restaurants are on it now and gotcha. I like saw something on Instagram but it, it looks super compelling gotcha awesome. nice I um, all right what else I see I see a couple
0: more on here for you
1: Uh, Okay, I'm going to go to a different one. And then my third one is going to be related to my carve out. So I'll I'll come back to that. But my next one is 22 minute workouts designed to be done while watching Netflix. And this is something that I know the two of us have talked about before, because I did some customer research on it a couple years ago. Yeah, I, I think like counter to most fitness, digital fitness companies that are really expensive and really hard to build. Imagine like Peloton and having to replicate the cost of their instructors and building out a studio like that's really expensive. Yeah, but I think that a workout class that's really designed to be done ambiently, either in the background while you're watching Netflix, or even like in your ears as you're listening to it or watching to an episode or listening to a podcast. Yeah, um, which wouldn't really like there's less emphasis on instructors, not really a, a build out needed on a set. I think it would be really appealing for a lot of people to try and of exercise into a time of the day that they already dedicate time to. Like when you talk to people, they will tell you, I don't have time to work out, but they like make time for Netflix. And so if you just were to integrate working out into something that people already do, I think that people would be much more likely to do it, especially people who work long hours and want a little bit of a break. And so how I would start it, I would actually test it one of two ways because there are two hypotheses that I have on the product side. One is that video would be better and you can have even just to test it. Like, you or a trainer that you could find be on a live video call with someone as they're watching an episode of Netflix. Uh-huh. You could have them doing the workout and then you could follow along. The other one is, I-, I wonder if audio would work. And in that case, you could have people calling out transitions. So like, hey, now start doing 10 pushups and then uh, have it be done that way. Yeah. I-, I see like merit and detractions from both, but I think the idea of doing this is interesting. And I think that it wouldn't be that expensive to get off the ground.
0: I really, I I love the idea. I, I know when you created the landing page a couple of years ago and sent it out in WeWork like you got like 100 signups immediately, which is amazing. Like really good traction. I think it's a great idea. I think I think it resonates with a lot of people, probably resonates with people more now than than ever. I think the challenge is figuring out exactly what it looks like and what like the idea is. I think really good to, for people, but how does it look? What does it look like to keep them actually engaged and then what are they paying for? Like, I I assume they would just be paying for that content that's keeping them engaged and getting them to keep doing it. But I really like the idea and I think the concept is really good. Yeah.
1: Yeah, the product development, I think would be interesting. I'm curious, like I mentioned a couple of ways. How would you go about building it? Or do you have any thoughts? I'm putting you on the spot a little bit.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I I think having something, like the way I would think about it is building out an exercise app that maybe like on your phone will almost be a video or something that's like going through different the routine in some way whether it's telling you what to do or you're watching someone kind of do these exercises but i think to me the whole idea that would make it cool is that they're all like 22 minutes long right or maybe you can even select the specific show that you're gonna watch and then it would match it with something that's exactly the same length because I think you could definitely do that so to me that would be very cool and then it could be cool potentially to have some community aspects where you can compete with other people who were watching that same episode and like maybe you could turn into a Netflix community at the same time but yeah more so I, I think I think that's how I would think about it yeah
1: Yeah, I also, so one thing that I think is interesting that's part of this trend too is uh, if you talk to most, I think audio is an easier one. Most people listen to podcasts while they're doing something else. Maybe they're like not, you know, working, but they're potentially walking, folding laundry, uh, doing something pretty unintense. And you could probably add additional, you know, other things for people to do, including working out while they're doing it. I think similarly for video, you hear a lot of people saying like, oh, I just had this episode on the background while I was doing something else. And so instead of just scrolling on your phone, you can see people just like getting down and doing 10 push every few minutes. So I, I think there's something there. Yeah. No, I like that. Yeah. Awesome. Did you
0: have another one that you wanted to, to run through or did you want to save that for the carve out?
1: I do have one. Do you want me to go through it now? Do you have one?
0: So much. I have a couple. I, have, I don't have another specific business idea. Uh, so if you have one, then... then. Okay,
1: I'll, I'll hate you. I wrote down I wrote down Cameo meets Masterclass in the Google sheet. Yeah. And it's, for me, it's similar to the Hobbies for Adults idea. But what I'm noticing, at least for myself personally, is that I get a lot more information these days from more dispersed micro-influencers than I do from, like, a couple of big sources. Right. And so I think it'd be really cool if you could allow individual people to book experiences with the creators, which would open up another revenue source for them. So if you're like an Instagram account and you have 15,000 followers and you can let people book a session with you where you like shoot the shit or if you're a a like fitness instructor, then you can have people book a one-on-one class with you or something like that. And then it just increases fandom too because it just creates someone who has a personal experience with you. So I think something that's like a little bit longer form than Cameo and not quite as masterful as Masterclass. It's not necessarily like the top, top, top people, but- uh, creating a platform for people to be able to book experiences with micro influencers that they follow,
0: yeah, I like that. So, not necessarily a shout out, it wouldn't be a shout out like Cameo, it would be booking like a Zoom call, kind of, yeah, that idea? yeah. There is this company called Super Peer. Have you heard of Super Peer before? No, I haven't. They're pretty cool, and you can't see. So, if you go to if you go to product hunt, I think it's arm product hunt. And then if you go to mentors on the top, so if you go to the mentors, uh, you can see book a call and that's all linking you to Superpeer. And so for example, you could book a call with Ryan Hoover for $309 for 30 minutes to, to chat with ryan hoover which honestly not really that bad of a deal <laughs> yeah it's really not that bad but it's pretty cool like you can do that with him or like other people so the reason i, I brought a product hunt is because super peers website doesn't publicly like it's not a platform right now i guess they're like creating these pages but yeah so it's pretty like that's kind of i guess the idea of kind of what you were talking about but a little bit more they took a niche, right? They're they're using it for like business advice. I think makes a lot of sense and is something that people are willing to pay a lot of money for. And it's probably worth it for for some like if someone's going to pay you three hundred dollars for thirty minutes, that's that's pretty good. Um, yeah,
1: this is pretty wild. Like near Al, you can book a call with him for one hour for a thousand and seventy five dollars. This is like big time lawyer money. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. So do you think that it's worth it? What do you think? Do you think that
0: That is pretty fun a thousand dollars an hour it's like partner to offer but he's a pretty good deal also yeah
1: i think it makes sense on both sides if someone's willing to pay you for that i think it'd be a really cool experience for you right Um, and it'd be fun to meet people that you're you're interacting with i think it's even cooler if you're a micro influencer and you're like trying to learn more about your your fans and you can actually get something out of it It, like i think there is a two-way benefit to it but damn a thousand bucks an hour and He's probably the most expensive one, right? he has got to be the most expensive one. And then I feel like on on the person booking inside, if you have like five hundred dollars to spend on someone, then you may have like a thousand dollars to spend on someone. And if it's worth it to you, then go for it. Let's see. You yeah, know who you most want to meet with on the product hunt page.
0: I don't know. It would be cool to meet with Ryan Hoover. I think and just talk about product. But I think you would really want to have. You would definitely really want to have like some good questions that you wanted his opinion on right like you wouldn't yeah, pay right. that just to, like chat it would be pretty funny if you just do it and you're like
1: hey what's up how's it going <laughs> like were you, "Have you watch anything good on netflix lately <laughs> <laughs> Really, that, that question just cost you 40 dollars. <laughs> <laughs> like are you sure you want me to answer <laughs> that question <laughs> yeah but pretty cool like so, so th- i think
0: so so yeah do you is what you're imagining different than this or is it a similar type thing but you're thinking maybe more broad and not just for like tech people.
1: No, I'm, I'm imagining something pretty similar to this, except it could be more experiential. I'll, I'll just tell you my carve out now because I think it fits. Yeah, sure. Okay. So uh, I, I did this exact thing today at 11 a.m. Today, I had a call with this coffee blogger who I really like, who we did spend an hour just brewing coffee together.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And he, I I was asking, it was like
0: an Instagram story. Yeah, I did see that.
1: Yeah. 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 Oh, so you do go on Instagram. So yeah, uh, yeah, it was great. So I spent an hour. We, I was asking him questions. We were brewing coffee together. I was watching how he made coffee. He was giving me feedback on how I was making it. I was asking him questions. He gave me real time feedback. It was really cool. And it, it made me a much bigger fan. He's a great guy. It wasn't in the grand scheme of things that expensive. Yeah. Um, and I felt like it instantly, 10x my coffee making ability in an hour otherwise i probably it would probably have taken me another year just to get to this point where i only make a cup or two a day so if i make 300 cups over the course of the next year then like there's only so much progress i can make it really was helpful if i was able to do that and i think that if you could niche this out and you could find individual people that you could interact with like this is for business settings and sure you can get business feedback from these people but yeah I think it'd be really cool even just for experiential things. Like if you could get like a cool, I don't know, like a cool singing instructor, I, it's kind of related to the first thing I said, but if you get a cool singing instructor and then get a lesson with them for an hour, I think that'd be really awesome.
0: Yeah. So, so how, 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 many followers does this, this person have? 15,000. Got it. Okay. And then how, how much does it cost you for an hour? 50 bucks. Not bad. No, it really wasn't that at all. <laughs> interesting. Yeah, so I think that's really interesting. Uh, I think that a, a vertical this would work really well for is cooking YouTubers, people mm. who have like 50 to 100,000 subscribers on YouTube that yeah, you could book them to help you learn how to cook better on like a one-on-one session with them. Any type of professional chef could do it and get paid a ton of money for it. So I think back to cooking, but I think this would work really well for, for cooking. So I think that's, that's a really, and I I also really like the idea because it's, it's different. Like I think, and what I I was working on, like trying to make a platform earlier this year for fitness instructors to like do virtual fitness classes. And I think that's more of the obvious one that people are working on, but I think that it's more Mm -hmm. like, this is more interesting in a way. And, and more of these experiential, type of things what are, what are other things that would work well like I guess coffee kind of is like in the in the cooking aspect but like coffee tea making pizza like and I think it could be really specific it would be like I'm going to teach you how to like make pizza right and make a really good pizza
1: yeah yeah and one thing that I had done before that uh, was also verticalized and I, it worked well I don't even remember what the service was called but when I was learning to code, there were like very specific weird issues that I ran into that I, I had like just scoured Stack Overflow for two days and could not figure out the answer to. And at a certain point it was just like, I'm sure a developer would look at this in two seconds to figure it out. So I, I spent money paying a developer to walk me through my issue and help me troubleshoot my code. So that's one where like if you, especially when we're talking about bootstrapping and working on your own, if there's like for you, I think this will work really well for you if you. Uh, at for no code MBA offered an opportunity for people to book time with you and and like workshop specific product features that they're trying to build yeah on the ground I, I could see that working really well
0: so, so I've actually I think that's that makes a lot of sense too and I've, I've thought about that also of like just throwing it up on my website of having a consulting page or something and just being like hey for however much I'll just throw out a number. And if anyone wants to book it, then I'll do it. Right. And just seeing if that works. But I think that could be really interesting. And I'm sure even if there was a platform where like there are even micro influencers in like no code who have, you know, 10,000 followers on Twitter, they're more like have more followers than, than I do. And they would be in a better position to like join a platform or and just like immediate, they probably could make good money doing stuff like this so there you're right there's all these interesting like micro
1: yeah i
0: like the idea i like it
1: yeah yeah and i think the i'm just thinking of other business applications but if you're let's say that you're like a growth person at a startup and there are people that want help running advertisements and they're like hey i'm i'm workshopping this ad campaign have this idea for copy what do you kind of just like book 30 minutes with you and get your feedback on this stuff I can just see a lot of different opportunities for people to book this.
0: What I also really like about this is it's kind of, it's, it's almost building a, it's kind of like building Upwork in a way, but it's building in a different kind, right? Like instead of, it's like more of a consulting version of Upwork versus, which is anyone, it's like kind of on-demand consulting is really what you're, that's literally what it is, on-demand consulting. Uh, as opposed to like on man building you a website like
1: Upwork does, we might have to cut this. <laughs> now I'm kidding, but this is, this,
0: yeah, this, no, this idea is is good. I, I like it. Yeah, nice. So
1: okay, so you're a creator. I consider you a creator at least. When, when sure, yeah, I mentioned the idea of hey, throw up a link on no-code MBA. It's like pretty counter to what your philosophy is, which currently your website is videos that you've already shot that are evergreen and people can go back and listen to without you needing to be there so did you like cringe a little bit when i said that did you get excited about it how did you feel about it when no it
0: i mean up? i've thought about it before i mean it would just have to be like a probably a good amount of money to be like worth it right for me to, yeah. to do it but i would do it and i think in a way like you said it also is beneficial to both sides because you are connecting with other with people who are interacting with you and your brand, right? So I think that it's educational for for both sides. But that is interesting. Like I wonder if one way you do it is like you just go to all these creators and be like, hey, we're this is a really easy way for you to put this link on your site and people can book consulting time with you. Right. And like you can build out the platform. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's the challenge, right? Is it it is a marketplace. And anytime you're building out a marketplace, it's like a complete slog for a long time to, to build it out. So that's the challenge there, I think. And then on top of that, you're building a marketplace, which is kind of a novel marketplace. So there's like this whole question of, is this even something anyone wants? So you have like two aspects of it, I think that that's, makes it a difficult company to start, but yeah. also really interesting and has a lot of potential.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. It's something I think I would use personally. So I hope it exists. I hope it someone wills it into existence. <laughs> that's that's the whole point
0: of this. We're putting putting the ideas out there and you know, seeing if anyone will will take it on and maybe maybe you will. Who knows? We'll see. What else do you got for me? All right. So what else do I have on here? One thing that I thought was oh, one other way just to think about bootstrapping. A couple other ways of, of funding it. I think Kickstarter is kind of a way of bootstrapping as well. Like anything you can do to get money for yourself up front and raise the money yourself, right? So I, I think Kickstarter is, is an interesting one and maybe even underutilized and pre-se- pre-selling is probably under underutilized. Um, maybe that's even an opportunity of like, actually, this is another business idea as I'm thinking about it. I think, I know specifically Kickstarter, maybe Indiegogo, same thing. They don't let you pre-sell like software. You can only pre-sell products. So that, maybe that's an interesting product is like pre-selling software to, I don't know. Like the hard thing is like, do people really want to fund you to build software that who knows if it's even going to work? And like, but
1: yeah. yeah, I don't know. It feels like one step above product time where product time's like, here's this thing that's so half-baked and brand new and go check it out. And it, it's just like even earlier, but pay me money for me for it. Yeah. I don't know. I think there's something there. I agree with you though. I think Kickstarter is a really compelling one. So I can tell you, like speaking of bootstrap businesses, Fellow, which is the coffee company I'm obsessed with, they did Kickstarter. And I don't think they've raised money since. They may have done a really small seed round. Yeah. Um, but they're a hardware business and that's really expensive and really hard. And they were able to just bootstrap a lot of it from Kickstarter.
0: Yeah, I think for I mean for hardware, it's really, really, it can be really great for for those companies. The other thing that I thought was cool, just to bring up, is on Sean Sean Purry's newsletter, he he wrote about this micro spec that he's doing. So basically, what did you have you heard? Of, did you hear about this or no?
1: No, tell me about it.
0: Okay, so it's 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 pretty cool. So I think he was approached or had some conversation with the founder of this company called micro acquire, which is a place to, to sell like your, your business. And it could be as cheap as like $5,000 or like a hundred thousand or maybe even up to a million, like, but just for like a marketplace to sell your, your business. So the idea is that he's like, Hey, does anyone want to like, I'm going to put up, like, let's like, let's put up $5,000, give away a business. And and we'll follow this person over 60 days and it'll be a better education than going to business school. And, and <laughs> I'm, 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 uh, I'm, I'm just using Sean's words. And, uh, <laughs> and so that, that's what he said. Like it'll be a, you know, it'll be better than going to business school. We'll give you this business. You're going to learn a ton in 60 days. and And the cool thing is, so many people like the idea on Twitter is I think they got like a hundred thousand dollars raised into this micro mini SPAC basically. So at the stage they're at now, they like took applications in to pick the person who they're going to give the business away to. And it was actually also really cool because he linked the application of the, of the winner of who they're giving it away to like a better application than like almost every, like application you'll ever see like this is a better application than anyone does when they're applying for a job so it's this guy and he i think he's graduating from from college this year but he created this notion doc first he had this video like like introducing himself explaining why he wants it he like listed out his favorite frameworks and sean like loves frameworks so he's like he did his research and then he (laughs) and then he talked about like he's like started a bunch like like a bunch of like businesses like that that he's like hustled in the past and like clearly like 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 someone who's going to put in the work but it was just also to me really interesting to see and I totally agree like I think that's the kind of thing like if you're applying for a job like going above and beyond and making yourself stand out and that applies to anything starting a business how do you make your business stand out but if you're selling yourself how do you make yourself stand out like go the extra effort and show that you put in your research and
1: people do see that. So I thought that was another cool part of the story. I like that. It's, it's making me think that you're about to like revamp your dating profile to, to just go above and beyond and like add videos, very personalized research on each woman. Well, I saw that there, there's this new dating
0: app that just raised money. That's like so trying to be like TikTok of dating apps. So it's all
1: video, like you video. It's it's like, it's kind of what, what you were saying. So that's kind of interesting. That's um, funny. I feel like a bunch of video dating apps have tried to spring up and no one really wanted to put themselves on video. And now people are finally like, oh yeah, I, I feel comfortable doing that. Yeah, so maybe that'll work.
0: So yeah, I thought that was really cool. I think there was something else I wanted. Oh, so then the other thread on that, which I think is a cool opportunity is just this idea of, of like, Get, give giving something away and like doing it in a really big way that's good for PR. And the other thing that comes to mind for that is Shopify's like a hundred thousand dollar giving like business competition that they did when they were like very early on. And I think they gave a thousand dollars to the top like Shopify business in this competition, and that got a ton of press. and like was really really good for the company i think this is kind of a similar thing where like micro requires is giving away a business right and like that's like and such an amazing pr thing and probably yeah. are going to make back whatever money they're going to spend on doing this or whatever effort it's going to spend so i think that's just something interesting to think about is like how can you incorporate that into into a business
1: no i think it's a great point especially from the marketing perspective like so many people and, and with the spotify story i think your shopify weren't they initially going to give away like ten thousand dollars and everyone was like no one gives a shit about ten thousand dollars i think that it was yeah i
0: think that they were going to do ten thousand i'm pretty sure like, from what i remember hearing it was tim ferris who was
1: like you need to give out a hundred thousand our boy tim just stepping <laughs> up saving shopify but yeah if you there are pretty, you yeah add- it, <laughs> it doesn't necessarily just have to be the
0: same way but, that everyone else does. and i think that's another good lesson is like you need to it's all about standing out, right? And you need to, it needs to be something that people are going to like really pay attention to, right? Like, especially with the internet these days, like people, you got to be doing something crazy to get people to, to pay attention to you.
1: Yeah. Like Sean is, he has millions of listeners to my first million. And for right. the fact that he's, it was like so remarkable that he felt compelled to talk about it. That's a sign of a great, great, great. Guy. So, that's,
0: so that's very cool. But yeah, do you have anything else that you want to to touch on?
1: I do, but I think we're running over on
0: time. So we'll... yeah, I think we're running over on time as well. So if you, we can, we can always bring it up in the next
1: episode. Sure. We, sounds good to me. We had written down here that we want to talk about sharing the fact that we shared notes with each other this time. Compare how, how, how do you think about
0: I think that it was helpful actually. Yeah. What do you think?
1: I think it was helpful too. I, do you think we should add more detail though? Because we basically just yep. wrote for context, we wrote like, here are my three business ideas. Here are three predictions. Not really that much detail. I kind of yeah. want to save my big reveal for you. Do you think it would have been more helpful if I would shared more info with you? I feel
0: like we are moving in the right direction by as, like in the first two episodes, it was completely like revealing our ideas mm-hmm. without touching base before mm-hmm. at all, which I think still worked. But I actually think, yeah, maybe if we spent even five minutes just quickly going over it and it would even help us put things in the order that we think would be, would be best. And you know what I mean? Like I, I yeah. think, I think that maybe even more collaboration before the podcast would would be helpful.
1: Yeah. Maybe we'll spend 10 or 15 minutes before the next one, like on our zoom call we'll, we'll just take time to actually go through it. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I still like the big reveal though. There's something so appealing about it.
0: <laughs> well, you can always save a couple things if you really want to save it, you know? Uh, All right. Do you have a carve out for me? Yes. Let me look up. Ah, yes. Okay. So my carve out this week is the Chef Show new season. It came out in September, but to me, it's a new season because I didn't, I didn't see it until now. But the Chef Show is this really great cooking show. It's like my favorite cooking show with Roy Choi, who's this uh, chef like celebrity chef and John Favreau who's like a Hollywood producer he produced like Star Wars and a bunch of other uh, films and they made so John Favreau uh, starred in Chef the movie chef which is about him start like he's a professional chef and starts a food truck and John, and Roy Choi like trained him for that movie to become like to be a believable chef and then in the in Chef in the Chef show on Netflix They basically go around and, like, meet up with either other celebrities or other famous chefs or other just chefs that Roy is friends with. And they'll, like, teach, like, walk through, like, how to – how they cook all of, like, their recipes or their – like, the recipes as if they – as they do in their kitchen. So really, really good. Like, I learn a lot of how to – like, a lot of – I learn a lot about cooking just watching it. So it's entertaining and you get, you like are just listening to chefs explain how they cook things. So
1: that's my, yeah. I I know you like to cook a lot. What's the biggest thing that you've learned from the recent season? So one, one episode was with this, I can't
0: remember the name of the guy, but he's like this king of making sourdough bread. Maybe I, I can't remember his name, but like they went to this place and they made, they like made sourdough bread and fermented it and like. It was like learning about that. That wasn't even something that like I'm going to utilize really, because that's, I'm not, I I haven't tried making make, maybe at some, it made me want to make sourdough bread more than I ever had wanted wanted to make sourdough bread. But that to me was the most interesting because it was the most different, like seeing how they made this sourdough and like how much of an art it is to make the sourdough. Yeah.
1: That's funny that while everyone in the world was making sourdough over covid you were not interested at all. And then now that you're seeing the sourdough king himself make it, you're like, oh, people should really be talking about sourdough.
0: Yeah, that was that was my
1: tweet. Hey, is anyone? Because <laughs> no one made sourdough before. <laughs> anyone know where I can get sourdough starter? Like literally everyone on the internet raises their hand. Yeah. So your carve out is, is the, what's it called? Just remind, remind me. The Instagram handle is Alexander.Mills. Great guy and awesome time making coffee with him today. I felt like my coffee really improved. It, it was also just a total shot in the dark. I, I messaged him and just said, Hey, like, I'm sure you would not want to do this, but if you're uh yeah, we would love to spend an hour just learning how to make coffee from you or really get a lot out of your content would really love to learn more from you directly. And he said, yeah, we'd love to let's do it. So, okay.
0: so that makes it even cooler. I didn't realize this wasn't something he just offered. So this is almost. Uh, you're proving out the market here where this guy is willing to do these calls, not even
1: something he he's offering right now. So, yeah. And for these like 15,000 followers, it's a lot of followers, but he was saying he spends a lot of time just talking into the void and hoping that what he says resonates with people. So he was even asking me like, oh, I've done this before. Did this resonate? What do you think of when I tried this? Like he got real time feedback out of it, too. So I think it was really helpful for him. Yeah. It was more helpful for me, but I think he got something out of it. (laughs) I think he learned more from you than I learned. No, it it like really turned. I ended up just charging him at the end. Awesome. Awesome. Cool.
0: I think that's it for this week.
1: Good stuff, man. We'll see you next week. All right.